Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane, And I'm Rick Gromlich. What's up, homie? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, welcome back, y'all. Um, yeah, I don't know what's new since last time we, we recorded. Um, Tiger Woods won the Masters. Tiger Woods won the Masters. Big, yeah, he that did, was a big baby. deal. That was that fun was to watch. That was a huge deal. And to watch how excited he was, just like, he was so pumped. Yeah. And I'll be like the first to say Tiger Woods has not really made any fans the last 10 years. Um, yeah. Just because of his uh, life choices. However, to see someone come back, just purely from a performance perspective. Yeah. Now, 43, come back and win the Masters um, for the 14 years later. Yeah. Phenomenal. I was watching, or I was looking at Twitter because Twitter was blowing up about it. And. Uh, people were like watching this with my seven-year-old son, having to explain to him why this is such a big deal. Because the last time Tiger won a major, he wasn't even alive. Are you getting a call? Yeah, bro. Would okay. you Would you be present? Let me take this. <laughs> Keep going. Who is it? It's my boy Christopher James. Oh, nice. Um, but then someone else was like, "Yeah, I have to do the same thing, but with my nine-year-old." And someone else was like, "Yeah, me too, but with my thirteen-year-old." Like they they had to explain why this was such a big deal that Tiger Woods is winning a major. Because some of the things that have happened, I mean, I'm just thinking of the mugshot of him, uh, one of the nights that he got a DUI. And it, it was like, man, this guy, he went from being number one in the world, having the world in his palm, in the palm of his hand, to now, like, this guy may not ever play golf again. His back's all jacked up. He's yeah. had multiple surgeries. He hasn't recovered well. He seems like he has a painkiller or a drug problem or an alcohol problem. Like, this guy just fell off the map, and he fell hard. Yeah. And to see him come back is pretty cool. Yeah, I would I would agree. You know, um, it was interesting to talk about, like, the last year and a half or two years with the whole Me Too thing and just all these, like, celebrities falling in moral ways. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, this cleaning out almost, not really, but it's just a – the very few actually who get caught or yeah. their sin at that time is revealed. And um, the culture has, they, they really don't know what to do with that because they don't forgive people well. There's no like a restitution or, um, hey, you have fallen, you've admitted you're wrong. How do we help them kind of pick themselves back up and move? It's like once you fall, you're done. And yeah. you're like scum of the earth for the rest of your existence. There's, they don't know how to show grace. Yeah, um, which is really interesting. So we saw some of that with Tiger Woods. Well, we saw everybody years. rooting for this. But after all the time, like after years and years and years, and finally getting back and just being like, everyone knew he put in the work. Oh yeah, like he put in the hours and the dedication and just kept grinding away. And eventually, yeah, won a Masters. He, oh, he now he now is fifteen. The the record is eighteen. Jack yeah. Nicholas and yeah. like Bubba Watson was tweeting saying like only four more to go Tiger four more to go like you can do it another professional golfer who is this yeah. competition saying like hey man like you are four away yeah. from owning that record which okay so on a side note sometimes it's hard because like that that one person in your mind is like the legend yeah and to have someone else come in and like knock them off is mm-hmm. kind of kind of like what LeBron did to Michael Jordan yeah or even like okay so I'm a huge Brett Favre fan but seeing like his um, records being kind of knocked mm. out, yeah. I just, it's it's exciting for that young guy, but but it's also kind of disappointing. Yeah, but I was thinking about this, and and I know we're welcome just, to simple theology. Yeah, I know I know we're just catching up right now, but we're gonna jump real serious right here. I was thinking about why is it that everybody is rooting for Tiger to make this comeback? 
Like the guy cheated on his wife multiple times. That's another statement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's well documented that yes. this guy was a terrible husband, that he yeah. failed in a lot of ways. And, and yet with all of us knowing that we're still like, I was sitting there yesterday with Finley holding her watching this thing. And I'm, I'm like kind of jumping up and down yes. with her in my arms and she's loving it because she thinks we're just playing. But I'm like, I'm getting really excited and everyone else there is getting really excited. And when he did win, everyone cheered like crazy. Yeah, it went nuts. News blew up. I mean, it was, it was an amazing thing. But why, knowing all of his failures, all of his misgivings, all of the mistakes that he's made, why are we rooting for this comeback? And I was thinking to myself, and, I was, and maybe I'm off on this, but I think I'm onto something. It's because we, being made in the image of God, mm-hmm. we are rooting for things to be restored. Yeah. And we love a comeback story because in our nature, we recognize that things aren't as they should be, Mm. but we want them to be restored to the the goodness that it was. Yeah. Romans 1, we're longing. Yeah. And creation is longing. And like Adam and Eve, they walked with God and then they fell. And for the first time, God says, where are you? Right. That there's something breaks in that relationship. And ever since then, we, by God's grace, we have been restored and redeemed mm-hmm. not everybody yeah but even but everybody being made in the image of god have this desire yes for it to be for things to be made right for things to be brought back to the goodness that they that they yes. were not to make it a perfect parallel but i think that's but something that's, no, in, that's I, in us that's, i've never thought about that before that's a good point like we're, we are rooting for this to triumph against the odd to come up from behind and and do what is impossible. What seems it's, impossible, yeah. Right, and I think in our nature we we look, and it's I think it's probably for most people very subconscious, but we're looking to rise above the things that hold us down, the yeah. things that that kind of determine that they don't determine. We feel like they speak our identity to us. Like you're never going to get over this. These things that anchor us down, and seeing someone rise above and kind of break free from those. Either the stereotypes that culture puts on them or their own um, limits that they put on themselves and to see them rise past that yeah, well, is awesome. Ma- Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. talked about why we should root for the favorite and why we shouldn't root for the underdog. Mm-hmm. And he said that it's because the favorite, they have the players who have um, in all likelihood put in more work. They are better at what they do. They have practice better they found a better system they're the favorite because they are better at what they do like we should root for those who have worked harder so to speak yeah and so he he makes this whole argument for that yes but yet we still root for the underdog because we like to root for the one who seems to have no chance well and for most i mean like almost all of humanity we identify with the underdog that's what i'm getting at we, is that like we that's, that's my plot we that's have no chance in life we have no chance mm-hmm. to get to that that right get back to that place where things are right Be- because we are the i mean perpetual underdog being yeah. fallen in sin like yeah. it's not going to happen there's no way but right. by god's grace there is a way by god's grace you too can have mario supermodel and get a mansion in beverly hills right yeah that's right is that what you're saying that's exactly what i'm saying okay cool by God's grace, you could have the smallest country in the world and be the most powerful person in the world, the Pope. Yeah. Mm. And live in the Vatican. Boom. <laughs> I was trying to think of how we could transition this. I was talking about, I was thinking about doing it by works or something yeah. like that. They work hard, but I see what you did there. Vatican. Nicely done. So today we are talking about a little bit about Catholicism, and we're going to talk about um, what most of the Western world 
knows as the opposite of that, which is Protestantism. Um, there's also some Greek Orthodox, that's kind of like the three big camps, Protestants, Catholics, big C Catholics, and then um, Greek Orthodox. And as you see by the title, um, are Catholics Christian? It's kind of a touchy issue. Yeah, why don't you why don't you draw some of that out? Why it's so touchy? Yeah, well, not like necessarily. I mean, one yeah, point you, some billion Catholics in the world. Exactly, but I'm looking at your notes here, and and I think it, I think it's a good thing to expound on a little bit. So I'm going to let you yeah. do that. But I think just what you're saying, it, initially, it could be a really big, like, touchy thing. And so I think giving it some nuance is a is a helpful idea. And I think nuance. that's what your your notes here do. So yeah. Go ahead and so that. the thing is, um, just I'm going to do a little timeline here for you. Ooh, Rob, what is that? You know what it is. A little bit of You're seltzer water, that. which is just I mean, another LaCroix knockoff. call it seltzer water, but that's not at all what's on the can. I didn't call it seltzer water. I called it seltzer water. Seltzer. Cranberry lime. Is it supposed to smell, smell like hops? No. Well, why it does like it? cranberry. Okay. <laughs> why uh, does it? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> Rob is a student at Southern, and he is drinking seltzer water. <laughs> In case you're listening out Can't drink alcohol right now. <laughs> but okay. when class is done. <laughs> stop, stop. All right, so... Um, Christ, you know, resurrection, right? Which we're getting ready to celebrate that. This, we're celebrating it this week or next week. Yeah. From when these drop. Uh, right around Easter time. He then is with his disciples. He ascends. The church age begins. And for those first several hundred years, the church was persecuted. Finally, in the year uh, 325 AD, after Christ's death, um, Constantine is the Roman emperor, and he makes Christianity the state religion, which begins the working, and this is at the, the Council of Nicaea, begins to shape um, the Roman uh, nation into kind of a Christian nation, which then gives birth to the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. So we see that running for a little under 1,200 years. And, well, side note, I think, um, I didn't look this up, but what year was the Great Schism? 11, 1125, somewhere in there. I don't know. Um, there was Constantinople, which is a huge metro, like city, and then there was Rome. Both were like power structures of the religion. Eventually, long story short, the Constantinople, which was Eastern, broke off. And that became Eastern Orthodoxism. The East-West Schism, also called the Great Schism, yeah. and the Schism of 1054. 1054. I was off. How did you not oh know gosh. that? 75 years. Anyway, so then the Rome becomes powerful. And then you have the Greek Orthodox, and you have Roman Catholic Church, and they keep moving along until 1570, 17 AD, which is the start of the Protestant Reformation, October 31st, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses onto the church door at you know Wittenberg, year? 1517 AD. Nice. Oh, that's um, in your notes. Shoot. Yeah. Oh, we just celebrated it like two years ago. I know. That's so why I wanted to make sure that you knew um, it. So anyway, so, so that brings us today where you have like these three kind of different branches, and people would often say, oh, like we're all Christians. We're all you know, we all call ourselves Christians. We're all say that scriptures are authority. And as you, on face value, if you don't know any better, it's like, yeah, I, I can see that. There's a few d- divisions, but if we're all Christians, sure. The question is, but are we all actually Christians? Mm. Um, and we're going to get into that. So Roman tradition, Roman Catholic tradition holds that scripture and tradition are the supreme authorities, not just scriptures alone, but Scripture and the church tradition are of equal authority. They also say the Pope is infallible, um, which 
by default makes him as authoritative as scripture and yeah. tradition. And we yeah. see this with the current Pope Francis, who has um, shifting on issues of homosexuality and even some on abortion yeah. that are against scripture, but he's now plotting a new road for uh, the Catholic Church in that. Whereas, so, the, so it's scripture, tradition, and really the Pope for Roman Catholics, Protestants, it is sola scriptura, Scripture alone um, is the final authority for these things. Yeah. There's Neville making his presence known. Neville is in the house. So anyway, long story short, that's kind of a little bit of timeline where you have big C Catholic, which is the Roman Catholic Church, and little c Catholic, which means actually we're all little c Catholics. It's part of the global yeah. church. Well, I mean, that's like um, like in the Apostles' Creed. Exactly. It talks about believing so, in the Holy Catholic Church. You can say that even as a Protestant, even as an evangelical Right, because the term doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church; it Correct. means the Universal Church. And it's this is where it's getting a little dicey, but it's almost Roll more the dice. It's it's owned really by Protestants who who claim Scripture alone. Yeah, it's not everybody. We're not quasi universalists when it mm-hmm. comes to this. Um, we'd say, and we're going to talk about why we believe that, but it's because we believe in Scripture alone. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what Scripture, um, how it defines kind of salvation and how we reach salvation. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what we're digging into is the fact, can a, can a Christian be Catholic? Yes. Yeah. It's a big and, deal. And, and the answer is, Rob? Not really. Not really. Um, so, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Listen. Nuance. Listen. Clarification, clarification. I feel like you always have to nuance things. You always have to. Nuance. Yeah. Okay, so. We're not saying that every single person in the Catholic Church is going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, we genuinely believe that there are going to be people who attend the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, um, who are in actuality embracing evangelical beliefs. But maybe they attend there because they, they don't have the right understanding that maybe they should go to a different church, or maybe they uh, just grew up Catholic and have never thought about going to mm-hmm. a different church, which is, is a whole other discussion in and of itself. Like, I mean, that's still an issue. They, that isn't necessarily an okay stance to be. If you're an evangelical today, you embrace what Protestant churches preach as, in terms of the gospel, but yet you feel okay going to the Roman Catholic Church that doesn't preach the same gospel, then there's a problem there. We're not advocating for that to be um, okay. But what we are saying is that we do think that there are going to be people in the Roman Catholic Church who end up seeing glory. Yes. However, if you embrace Roman Catholic doctrine in its entirety and therefore call yourself genuinely a Roman Catholic, then you cannot genuinely call yourself a Christian, Mm. which sounds really... That's harsh. That's really harsh, Rob. Who are you to tell someone if they're a Christian or not? Yeah. Who are you? Uh, first name Robert. First name Robert. Last name Cain. <laughs> no, but we we don't have that authority, and and so uh, and we're gonna hopefully display or show you to this to you that it's not so much two guys saying, "Hey, it, yeah, most Roman Catholics are not Christians." It's Scripture that says, "Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, then you have to." affirm and believe these things. And we're going to lay out three of those things. We're going to get into a more of a list, but the three things are justifi- justification by faith alone, yeah. um, and that salvation is by faith alone. So for justification, we would say Romans three twenty eight. for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Mm. Bada bang. Bada boom. Ephesians um, 2, 8, 9. But it, 
it is by grace. Uh, am I? Can I copy that wrong? What are you talking about? Now you're looking at Romans. Dude, I thought I copied this. <laughs> Rick, do you not have Ephesians yeah. two eight and nine memorized? For for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gift, not by works. Yeah. It's strictly through um, what Christ has done, and, we, and that's through our faith, believing in that, which that in of itself is a grace because we don't conjure up that faith. Exactly. Um, and, and also that grace is free. It's not earned or merited. Romans 11.6 says, but, if it is, but it is by grace. It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Yeah, if you could earn it, if you yeah. worked for it, it's then not, you can't really call it grace. Exactly. You have to call it a wage. Exactly. Which is what it gets And looking at uh, Roman Catholic doctrine, they would say, yes, we believe in um, just justification by faith, but it's faith and works. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of get through a list, go into a list here of some things Rob's going to take us through, and we're going to talk about just the difference between Roman Catholicism and the biblical teaching. Um, yeah. And, and, and as we kind of go through this, I want to pause in the middle of this and just say, our hearts are not to be like pointing at people like, you're out, you're out, you're in, Yeah, you're absolutely out. not. It's simply to clarify, because we believe Scripture— we believe in the judgment of God, and it's eternal, in the weight of truth. We want to share that clearly and to clear, clear up any misunderstandings about this that people may have. So, um, so th- like, that's true love. It's not saying, hey, I disagree with you, but hope it goes well for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, these are eternal matters. They're, they're as serious as it gets. So, our heart is to love well in this not to, to try and condemn people ourselves or or pull out the log or the speck in someone else's eye when we have a log in our own eye. It is for their salvation that we're sharing these things. Yeah, and at, and at the end of the day, because we are Protestant, because we are evangelical, we do wholeheartedly embrace the doctrine of sola scriptura, that mm-hmm. we know these things by Scripture's authority alone. Yeah. So if, if there's anything that we say that you think, you know what, you guys are wrong and you're, and you're going about this the wrong way, if you can point in Scripture and show us where we're wrong, then, then we're going to submit to Scripture. Like, that's that's what we're trying to do here is get our, our Catholic friends mm-hmm. to think about what the text says rather than just wholeheartedly embracing it, because what what wholeheartedly embracing what Catholic Church teaches. Yeah. And, and we're... So there are a lot of things that Catholics and Protestants agree on. So, for instance, the deity of Jesus, mm-hmm. the Trinity... Um, that salvation comes through Christ. They they would yeah. add a couple other things, but but the, I mean, they're, they're, you can find a handful of things yeah. in which I mean, they believe in the the authority of the scriptures. We just kind of parse that out a little bit, but yeah. they still hold the scriptures in high esteem. Mm-hmm. And so we we don't want to just say that they've done everything wrong. Okay, yeah. that don't don't hear that when we talk about this. But where where we begin to part, it really comes back to this passage in Matthew sixteen. Okay. This is the this is the genesis of it all, where uh, Jesus is talking. So I'm just going to read this, starting in verse th- for verse 13. It says, "When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is?'" They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." But you, he asked them, "Who do you say that I am?" 
Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And probably good to read verse 19 too. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And so Jesus says, on this, I'm going to build my church. The Roman Catholic Church interprets that as on Peter. And so they say every person from the line of Peter, that's where the Pope comes from, and that's who the church is built on. And so that's where you get the idea of papal authority, the the Pope's authority. Whereas Protestants say, no, it's on the statement that he made, that you are, um, where is this? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Exactly. Like, that is what the church is going to be built on, that statement. And so that's where a lot of this begins to divide, and you'll see some of that. But we're going to walk through this article. And and I would also add, the this this is going to sound like, um, I just want people to hear my humble heart in this. I hear a really arrogant heart, Rick. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, but if you were to ask most Roman Catholics, how are you saved? Like, they would probably say, like, Jesus. Like, their Mm. initial answer is Jesus. So... You either have people who don't understand, truly understand Catholic teaching and, and the church that they're a part of, or they, they you know, and that's why they cling to Roman Catholicism and they don't understand some of the ways it disconnects from Scripture. Or you have people who fully understand it and are denying part of Scripture. Yeah, well, and, and I think the vast majority of Roman Catholics are in that first camp where they don't really understand that it. Catholic Church is adding to things. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ask them, but there's, but there's, but they know how to like. The other side of that is a lot of Catholics do know how to like works based salvation. They they know how that works. Yeah. But if you asked a Mormon or if you asked a Jehovah's Witness, how are you saved? They they too would say Jesus. Right. But there's a question of who's Jesus exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like who do you say Jesus is? Yeah. So. We've got this article here, and it's a really helpful article. We actually pull a decent amount of stuff from this website. It's gotquestions.org. They provide a lot of good material. And again, with the nuances, we don't agree with everything that they say, but you're never going to find a website that you agree 100% with stuff. But they they provide a lot of really good stuff. So we will link to to this article. Um, And are we going to link to another article? Yeah, I've got another article in there from by Kevin DeYoung. DeYoung. Which is a good one. So. Oh, excuse me. So we've got this this on the left side we've got Roman Catholicism, what they believe. And on the right side we have biblical teaching, is what they say. So and you could essentially say this is what Protestants believe. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and, and Rick, I'll do the first few here and we're gonna go through these pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. If we need to elaborate a little bit, we can do that. Um, but this is just gonna be a good left, right, left, right reading of the of the columns there. So on the left side, Roman Catholicism, the bishops with the Pope as their head, ruled the universal church. And Protestants would say that Christ, the head of the body, rules the universal church. And you can find that in Colossians 1.18. And then Roman Catholics would also say that God has entrusted revelation to the bishops, whereas Protestants, based off of Jude chapter 3, you can see that God has entrusted revelation to the saints. And when we say saints, we don't mean saints in the same way that Roman Catholics believe in saints. We Saints being all believers. Mm-hmm. So uh, God has entrusted 
revelation to the saints rather than just the bishops. Um, then Roman Catholicism would say that the Pope is infallible in his teaching, whereas Protestants would say that God alone is infallible. And Roman Catholics would say that scripture and tradition, Rick hit on this, scripture and tradition together are the word of God, whereas Protestants uh, would say that scripture alone is the word of God. And there's a handful of verses there where you can see that. And Rick, if you want to pick it up from here so, yeah. they don't, so people don't yeah, fall asleep so, to my voice. Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> so dulcet tones Catholics would Robert say, uh, large C Catholics, Mary is the co-redeemer, for she participated with Christ in the painful act of redemption. Protestants would say Christ alone is the Redeemer, for he alone suffered and died for sin. We look at 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 for that. And side note, he was the only one worthy to pay the price for sin. Yeah. Uh, Catholics would say that Mary is the co-mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petitions. Which is why many Catholics will pray, pray to, Mary. to Mary. Yeah. Protestants, Protestants do not pray to Mary. Exactly. And a Protestant would say Jesus Christ is the one mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petitions. So we look at 1 Timothy 2.5, John 14, 13, yeah, and this, 14 there. And this is why we don't pray to any saints. The only yes. person we pray to is God through Jesus. Jesus being God, we can pray to Jesus, we can pray to God the Father, we can pray to the Holy Spirit, all three being one, one right. being, th- but we, we we pray to them. We don't pray to any saint. And Hebrews 4, 2 and 4, talks about our high priest, who we come to with bold assurance. So again, Catholics would say initial justification is by means of baptism. Hence the reason why yep. so justification baptism. Meaning to be made right with God. So that's a big deal. Initial justification, which says initial, um, again, gets into Catholic theology, but initial justification is by means of baptism, where Protestants would say justification is by faith alone. We talked about that again, Romans 3.28. Yeah, so that initial justification, I had to look into this for, for school a while mm-hmm. back. Um, they believe that, um, and, and I can't speak for all of them, because there's going to be Catholics who would say, oh, I don't believe that, and if they don't believe that, then good. But the Catholic doctrine would teach that um, in order to come to saving faith, mm-hmm. you need to have some some form of regeneration. And so they're saying that babies being baptized early on is what kind of removes away some of that sin so that they can then understand mm. salvation. It's, okay. it's kind of weird. That's a super vague way of describing yeah. it. So I'm sure there's someone out there who's like, you didn't give that enough justice. I'm, I know. but Look it up. Yeah. So another thing that Catholics would say is adults must prepare for justification through faith and good works. Whereas a Protestant would say, God justifies ungodly sinners who believe, Romans 4, 5. Good works are the result of salvation, not the cause, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Again, we talk about how your your faith is the root, your... uh, Works are the fruit of your of your faith. Exactly. We used the illustration last week. Like our good works are going. If you look at an apple tree, we said this last week. But if you look at an apple tree, our good works being the apples on that tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can take a bundle of apples and you can go out to a tree and just start taping apples to the tree. But it doesn't make it an apple tree. Mm-hmm. So just because the quote unquote fruit is there doesn't mean that it's an actual apple tree. And so. To, to say that you um, that the good works help save you right. would be getting it in reverse order, whereas Protestants fruit, would say that you have to be changed first mm-hmm. and then 
And that's fruit God's will come. work to do is to change him. Yeah. And this is where um, Catholics will say grace is merited by good works, which again, you're then earning the good works. You're behaving in a way that's not your nature to earn grace, which you don't deserve. Whereas um, we would say, no, Protestants say grace is a free gift, knowing that you cannot do the good work because even if you're trying to do good work and your heart is re- not regenerated, it's wrong. It's for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a sin. And again, grace is a, a free gift, Romans eleven six. Rob, cool. take it away. All right. Uh, Roman Catholics would say that salvation is attained by cooperating with grace through faith good works, and participation in the sacraments, whereas Protestants would say that salvation is attained by grace through faith, apart from good works, and you can reference Ephesians 2.10 for that. Uh, Roman Catholics would say that no one can know if he will attain to eternal life. Man, that would be that would be a scary position to hold. <laughs> Do all this work. Yeah. Maybe uh, you'll get in. So they say no one can know if he will attain to eternal life, whereas Protestants say that the believer can know that he has eternal life by the word of God and the testimony of the Holy Spirit who indwells believers. Check out 1 John 5.13 and Romans 8.16 for that. Uh, The Roman Catholic Church would say that it is necessary for salvation, that the Roman Catholic Church itself is necessary for salvation, uh, whereas Protestants would... uh, Rebuttal that by saying that there is salvation in no one but the Lord Jesus Christ, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts four twelve. Rick, go and say what you're saying. Yeah, I was going to say like, and you see that view that the Roman Catholics say it's only through us that you can obtain salvation. With um, the Middle Ages and just all the tyranny that the Catholic Church brought to Europe and to a lot of the world, saying, you know, we are the supreme authority because without us, literally. You're condemned. You can't. You can't reach eternal life. It's yeah. Just talk about a manipulation of power, and that's the reason people hate um, religion for many reasons. Just how mm-hmm. it's manipulated to control people rather than to give them life. Yeah. Um, but that's also another clarification: is that we don't want to say that church, like attending church on a, any given Sunday, is is unimportant. So whereas the Roman Catholic Church would say that it is necessary for salvation, you could end up taking that pendulum and going all the way to the other side and say that church has zero importance. Right. But well, Scripture clearly doesn't teach that Exactly. Either. I mean, Scripture says in Hebrews, do not neglect meeting together. And there's over like over 51 another passages in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so there's clearly an importance of gathering together on the Lord's Day with the body of Christ that you have been adopted into. That is an extremely important thing, but it goes with that that fruit, that yes. that is a an evidence that there's been a change. By doing it, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily bring upon salvation. Um, where was I? Where was I? The sacrifice. Yes. So Christ's body, the Roman Catholic Church would say that Christ's body and blood exist wholly and entirely in every fragment of consecrated bread and wine in every Roman Catholic church around the world. <laughs> that's... Um, okay. Um, so the, the transubstantiation That's the, position. the big word that you hear is transubstantiation, yeah. which is the belief, the true Catholic belief that before um, Catholic Mass is taken... Literally, the bread becomes Jesus' flesh. And the wine his becomes literal his, flesh. His literal flesh, and then literally the blood. The wine becomes his blood. Yes, and you partake in that. Yeah, and they get that from. Oh, that was loud. Yeah, sound like a baby just fell. And the crying seems to affirm that. 
<laughs> we have amazing wives yeah. who are watching our children. Love you, girls. Um, they take that from the passage where Jesus says, lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Hmm. And um, I think the Catholics got that out of a, yeah. a little backwards. So Protestants would say that the bread and wine are symbols of the body and blood of Christ. And he is bodily, and he is bodily present in heaven. Hmm. So he doesn't go back and forth. Right. Um, physically, yeah, he's in heaven. He's physically in heaven, but the blood or but the bread and the wine are symbols yes. of his actual flesh and actual blood. And then the sacrifice of the cross. This is what Roman Catholics would say that the sacrifice of the cross is perpetuated in the sacrifice of the mass, so that it's essentially redone each time. Uh, whereas uh, Protestants would say that the sacrifice of the cross is finished. Uh, John nineteen. 30. I mean, when when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Christ's death on the cross, for all those who would believe in him, repent of their sin, their salvation has already been accomplished. It is finished. There's no extra work you have to put on top of it. You do not have to attend church a certain amount of times. You do not have to pray a certain amount of hours. You do not have to go to mass. You do not. There, there's no additional work that needs to be put on top of the salvation that's already been accomplished in Christ because Jesus on the cross declared to the world that it is finished. Yeah. Now, there will be works that are fruit of a changed life. We keep bringing that back, but we definitely do not want to promote an antinomian view where the the law, where God's God's demands on the life of believers is taken lightly. And so, but the difference is that your salvation is accomplished and then you're a new creature in Christ. And then all of a sudden you have these new desires and these new affections. And so you want to do the things that God has called his people to. You cannot, those things that you do, do not accomplish your salvation. It has already been accomplished. Rick, take it away. Um, Again, talks about the Mass. Each sacrifice of the Mass appeases God's wrath against sin. It's a Catholic view. Protestants would say the once-for-all sacrifice of the cross fully appeased God's wrath against sin. Uh, look at Hebrews 10, 12 through 8 for that. 12 through 18. Oh, 12, yeah, thank you. 12 through, 12 through Read 8. backwards. Listen, it's all there. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 12 through 18. Um, but we would say, again, Christ's work on the cross was fully sufficient. We did not need this extra biblical ordinance where it's nowhere in Scripture that you get this, the Catholic view at all. But they believe somehow it appeases God's wrath against sin. But Ephesians 2, that Christ brought us from death to life, mm-hmm. happened at justification, um, not each week at Mass. And then finally, the last one I'm going to go through, the sacrificial work of redemption is continually carried out through the sacrifice of the Mass. It's a kind of a, another nuance of what we just said. This is the Catholic view that the sacrificial work of redemption, okay, again, working for your redemption, is continually carried out through the sacrifice of the Mass. One thing I'll say to that is that's just, that is exhausting. That is yeah. so much unattainable work. And that is why they don't know if they're getting to heaven or not. Yeah. It's because it's continual work. Where the Protestant view would say, the biblical view would say, 
we should have been saying this all the time, the biblical view is the sacrificial work of redemption was finished when Christ gave his life for us on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7 and Hebrews 1, 3. Yeah. So again, we're going to link to this article in the show notes. Um, covered a lot of things. Really encourage you to go back and read this and read the other article that we linked to. Yeah. Rob and I are just kind of scraping the surface of all these things. Um, very contentious issue. Everyone has friends, family who are Catholic, I think, or most people. Um, and it's just when you, when you share that, especially that salvation is through faith alone. It's a it's a work of grace. It's not it's not yeah. work for you. You you receive what Christ has done. There is a weight, an eternal weight, lifted off of that person because mm-hmm. they no longer have to keep working for this thing to stay in the right standing with God. Yeah. So um, something that is just interesting, ironic, as we record this episode today is April fifteenth. Tax and day. It's um, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but. The Cathedral Notre Dame in Paris has been burning to the ground. Not to the ground, but it has been like mildly destroyed today. Wow, um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's it's bad. And and I was looking up this passage, and I don't think I have it anymore, in Acts, where it just says that Christ does not dwell in temples made by man. Hmm. Um, and so... Anyway, touchy stuff, difficult stuff, but encourage you guys to keep studying this, dig into it, and dig into the truth of Scripture and why we hold to it above yeah. all things. Yeah, and there and there are other differences. There, I mean, for instance, purgatory. Like, yeah, there's there's, there's no mention of purgatory in uh, in the canon. I mean, unless you look at the Catholic Bible, which added some books back in like the 15 or 1600s, but. Um, the biblical view there's there's no mention of it but regardless so rick with all the things that we just mentioned right Mm -hmm. it's easy to just like walk away from this and be like okay cool they gave a a list of what catholics believe why we don't believe it Um, those are the differences have a good day but um we like to go through that head heart hands paradigm yeah we think it's helpful to be able to take the things that we just mentioned and be able to apply it in a constructive way and so i'll start us off with with the head um i think i think it's helpful to know why you believe what you believe at the end of the day, um, what are you showing me? Oh, Fireburns, Notre Dame, Cathedral in Paris. I see that. Wow. Dude, like, it's not completely destroyed, but I mean, the, the spirals, wow. I mean, just... We were there, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Back in 2013. That's wild. Okay. Um, but but when it comes to our head, yeah, um, it's good to know why we believe what yes. we believe. So it's really easy when you're in a conversation with somebody, because I'm a peacemaker at heart. I don't want to get into arguments with people. Um, and so when, I, when I'm when i talking to Catholics or when I'm talking to uh, Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses who use the same language mm. and say a lot of the things that yeah. I would say otherwise, yeah. um, there's a, there's a temp, tempting side that where I don't want to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. They're saying they're saved by Christ. Yeah. And they're saying that Jesus is good and God is good for providing a, a way of salvation. And, and I would nod my head to that and agree wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. But to know why we believe what we believe, why we are not in the Catholic camp, why we're not in the Mormon camp or in the Jehovah's Witness camp and, um, is helpful because then you know how to talk to individuals based off where they are. And so knowing this stuff about Catholics, the, the biggest thing that you can do is base what you believe off of scripture 
and the entirety of Scripture, because all three of those camps would, to some degree, say that they do. Mm-hmm. But you can take any verse, and you can twist it, and you can make it say what you want it to say. But when you take the entirety of Scripture and let Scripture interpret Scripture, then you become you begin to have a more fully formed understanding of what God's Word says. So be be faithful to get into the Word. I mean, that's that's easy just to say. I mean, even recently, I've been calling out to God and asking Him to give me more of a desire for that. And so it's easy to say, but it's it's babies are really going crazy up there. I don't know if the mics are picking this up or not, but I don't know. <laughs> they've got to pick up a little bit of this. <laughs> but it's easy it's to say going, to be yeah. to be in the word, but it's so important because then when you do have people saying similar things who fall in a different camp, mm-hmm. you can know better how to address those things and be mm-hmm. a better witness to yeah. someone who thinks they may know the Lord, but in fact may not. And it can make an eternity of difference. So understand why you believe what you believe and base what you believe off of God's word and God's word alone. Yeah. And, and and with that, just picking back real quick, we talk a lot about just in these not sure I can not sure I can carry you, man. Stop it. Listen, this extra 150 pounds since I got married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the point is that you, we we need to understand it's sometimes it's a slow process. We want to lay out the facts of what this is what scripture says and this is what Romans Catholics believe. And just expect some people to reject what they believed for years. Mm-hmm. It's a slow process, and you slowly just put a rock in their shoe. Why? Why do you believe yeah. in transubstantiation? You know, do you really think that's Christ's blood you're drinking? Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or just like little things, and then just pray for them. Yeah. And as we, as our convictions are, God's sovereign, and, and mm. watch Him work. Watch well, him. Well, who, who's him. it's Greg Kokel, right? Who uses that terminology to put a rock in their shoe? Yeah. Paul just Greg Kochel. Kochel. He does Kochel. coach you through it, Greg Kochel, with standard reason. Yeah, but but yeah. he says, like, hey, just ask questions. Yep. Like, oh, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Why do you believe yep. that? How'd you come to that conclusion? Yes. And if you if you ask those questions, then people are eventually going to realize, as they try to explain it, that they may not have a good reason for believing what they believe. And then you can say, hey, have you ever considered X, Y, Z? Yeah. And that can put a yep. rock in their shoe. So that's with your head, with your heart, and this kind of we just bleeded into this. Ah, I bleeded. See that? Mm, you bled. I bled into that. I bleeded it into the segue. Um, we bled into this, but your heart has to be for these people. Mm. It has to be for the truth, and not to be right. Yeah, that's so solely, hard too. But to that be, is so hard. It, we're right not because being right is is the only thing. It's because of. The truth is what saves you. The truth that Christ yeah. alone saves. But I just like and being that's right. Love, yeah. My flesh is like I just want to be right. <laughs> I just want to prove these people that are wrong. Right. Exactly. I've studied, and, and that's I know what it is. Humility, <laughs> yeah. and understanding. It is only by grace that we are not half worshiping Buddha. Yeah. Or that's a good word. It's like because of Christ's work in us. So why would we not show that same grace and mercy to others and help reveal the truth of Scripture to them yes. out of a humble heart, out of a humble heart? Yes. And then with our hands, uh, get into conversations, guys. Look for opportunities. You've got family. I know I have family members. You have family members. You have friends. I mean, look to get into conversations with them. And you don't have to win them over right in that in that conversation. Put a rock in their shoe, as Rick said. Like. God will use what you, what you say. His word does not go out void. So preach, preach. Be, be faithful to to look for opportunities to uh, 
witness and evangelize those who are not Christians, including Catholics. Yeah. And and there are going to be some people who claim to be Catholic who actually embrace uh, Protestant evangelical teaching, what Scripture actually says, in our view. Uh, yeah. But be be faithful. Look for opportunities to have those conversations, and don't feel like in that moment that you have to win the argument or you have to convert them. But just ask them questions. Why do you believe what you believe? How'd you come to that conclusion? Have you ever considered X, Y, Z? Yeah. It's a good so, word, brother. Mm. Well, hey, we appreciate you guys. I know this has been a long episode, but this is serious stuff, weighty stuff. It and is. We just, we cannot say this enough. Go to the scriptures. Study this. Go all through Romans and into Ephesians and, and understand that it, our faith does nothing. Even, even James 2 our, our our good works are the, the the fruit of our salvation, not the root of our salvation. And love with great humility those who are walking in error. And um, as David said in Psalm 139, search our heart, O Lord. That should be our prayer. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate your support. You yep. know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. We're on um, Patreon. We have the Audible thing going. Yes, guys, 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 guys. Girls. We are going to be, Rick, you and I haven't even talked about this. I meant to talk to you before this episode. But we're gonna to have to do it for next episode. Oh, but we're gonna do a giveaway. What? We're gonna do a giveaway. What are we giving away? I I've got an idea. I got to run it past you first because it's it's something worth some some cashier. Okay, hold on. Wait, hold on. Um, can I pause this? No. Wait, how, there's no teaser. Like, what are they gonna stick around for if they don't know what it is? Well, we're we're, we're gonna tell them. Mouth it to me. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna get some ideas from you, but uh. I have an idea. But it's it's well over a hundred dollar item. Whoa. So, but here's the thing. Is it logout software? Well, I don't know. I mean, I would like it to be. I, was that the idea? That, that, did I nail it? No. Did I, I did. You really Your didn't. Face. It, Your face. It was in my mind earlier, yes. but I was like, that's too expensive. We can't Dude. afford that. Yeah, it's like $8,000. <laughs> it depends on which one you get. Still, any of them. No, it's not that. Listeners, don't get your hopes up for that. But Ooh. it is it's a big ticket item. So, here's how you get your into best that. best life now. Yeah, exactly. So... We are going to, to post something on social media. All right. Rob will, because I'm, I'm not on social That's media. That's right. I'll post it. It's going to be on our page, Simple Theology, on Facebook page. Yeah. What about Twitter? No, it's not going to be on there. Dang it. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about just deleting our Twitter page because we don't have that many followers. And I feel like for stuff like this, Facebook's just easier to use. I'll tell you what, Rob, listen, 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 listeners. If we get 10 people to go and do something on our Twitter page, we'll keep it. <laughs> if in the next two weeks, from when this airs, there's no action or deleting it. It's gone. Bye. I like, I'm glad you said that. Okay, but anyway, look at our Facebook page. We're going to post this thing on how you get in on it. But one of the things is that you have to sign up for our Audible trial. So that's Ooh. audibletrial.com slash simple theology. Audibletrial.com slash simple theology. It's free. You get a free book. You get a free month subscription. Exactly. Free month subscription, which comes with a free audiobook, yes. And you get to keep that. Regardless, if, if whether you, you yeah, whether you keep your subscription audible. or not, even if you cancel your subscription, you get to keep the book. Yeah. Okay. And we get a small kickback. Small. And we've got we've got yeah, very small. But we've got some ideas of some things that we want to do mm. with this podcast. Yeah. But we can't do it because we don't have money. Monet. All right. So we would like to do some of these things, but Audible's got to help us out. And by Audible, we mean you guys. So we're gonna <laughs> give away a a big ticket item, and. We need I'm people nervous. to sign up for the Audible trial. We'll put more details on the post for Facebook. It's going to be something like like our page and tag a couple people, something like that, to just get the word out. Um, but the primary thing right now 
before we release that is to mm. go sign up at Audible. Okay, once you've done that, audibletrial.com slash simple theology. Yeah, we can see who one. signs up. Okay, yeah. so let us know if you do that. Um, well, okay, I mean, we'll on, see that on, somebody on, did, on, wait, but wait, we wait. won't see the. What name. about those who already have? They will have to use a different different email. And like card information and everything. We'll think that through. Stay stay tuned for next episode. We're just, we're way over our time. We're way over our time. We are way over our time. Appreciate you guys. You're the best. You guys are the best, but keep your eye out for all that. Peace out. Peace. I need a nap after that. <laughs>